In a Manner of Speaking, a monthly podcast on the spoken word. Episode number 51, April 2022. Celebrating the first 50. Hello again, Paul Meyer here. First, thanks to all who were with me for my Zoom Masterclass series over the past two months. It's been great to work with people curious enough to dedicate 90 minutes every week for a month to the various topics I had on offer. And I learned a lot from them too. It's always a two-way exchange. I enjoyed the working with accent modification client sessions a lot. The participants were practitioners themselves, so I learned a lot from hearing about how they approach the task. Discussing the always changing topic of how and what to teach people who hire us to modify their accents in daily life is very thought-provoking. Several participants in other classes asked me to offer an introduction to the International Phonetic Alphabet and the ins and outs of phonetic transcription. I haven't offered such a class up till now, even though I love the topic, uh, thinking there wouldn't be a huge demand for it. But do let me know, paul at paulmeyer.com, if you would like to take such a course if I offered it. October and November of this year, perhaps? Some... Other in-house news. A documentary filmmaker telling the story of the lost colony on the North Carolina coast hired me to voice several historical characters in the original pronunciation. That early, ill-fated English colony dates from around 1587, so Shakespeare's original pronunciation was perfect for that. That was my first time outside of Shakespeare with that accent. Speaking of the bard... I've just published a newly revised edition of my ebook, Voicing Shakespeare. This one is for Windows computers and has the same improvements as the iTunes Apple Book version that we released a few weeks ago. So look at the Shakespeare and OP tab on the menu bar of paulmeyer.com if you're interested. Now, time for the ever popular Guess That Accent. Last time I played this clip, and challenged you to say where on the planet the speaker grew up. When I first got you, my um, computer broke down, like Skype and everything, it was gone, do you know what I mean? So, and then my phone wasn't working, so I was like, oh my god, I need to use a pay phone. And I was go, I went, I was just like going around asking people, where's a pay phone? And they were like, a what? Pay phone? I was like, yeah, like a public phone. If you guess Wales, well done. It was Ideas Wales 6, contributed in 2009 by Jocelyn Pronovost, under the supervision of senior idea editor David Neville. The subject, Wales 6, was born in Aberdeer, Wales, and grew up in Hirwain. She has also lived in Carmarthen and was living in Llanetli when she was recorded. I hope I pronounced those place names close to correctly. To listen to the whole sample, go to dialectsarchive.com, choose the Dialects and Accents tab on the menu bar, then drill down to Europe, and then finally to Wales. Now, here's this month's challenge. Where did this speaker spend her formative years? They told me that I was on stage when I was two or three years old, but I can't remember, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and I was in a radio and to announce some um, title. I don't know when I was very young, I think four or five years. Definitely, I couldn't remember. Get the answer next time. 
So this is the 51st episode of In a Manner of Speaking, and I thought it would be appropriate to celebrate a little and look back at our first 50 episodes. I've been blessed by having wonderful guests, and I really want to thank them here once again. If you're an audiobook narrator or just a fan of audiobooks and haven't yet heard episode two from way back in March of 2018 with Tavia Gilbert and Julia Whelan, two narrators at the very top of the profession, you're in for a treat. Likewise, episode 45 from October 2021 with Elizabeth Wiley will thrill you. Listen to a little of the story she read for us, Annie and the Wolves by Andromeda Romano Lacks. Genre defying, some you could uh-huh. say it's a there's a little time travel, there's a little mystery, a little thriller, there's a little uh, historical fiction, of course. So here we go. All right. Dr. Susan Joy Hovsipian had been the first therapist to whom Ruth had confessed the disturbing image she had seen of Scott back when they still lived together. Dr. Hovsipian suggested it was connected to either an urge or a persistent thought that presented itself as an urge. At Dr. Susan's recommendation, Ruth attended a harm OCD group therapy session. Listening to other people talk about wanting to stab their mothers or drop their babies on their heads did not help Ruth understand her vision of Scott suffering and bleeding. The intrusive image said nothing about her relationship with Scott or her desires, real or imagined. In fact, it said the opposite. Ruth did not want to see Scott hurt. Amazing work. Thank you, Liz. The renowned linguist, David Crystal, who taught us all about Shakespeare's original pronunciation, has been my guest three times. In episode five, in June 2018, he talks about pragmatics. I didn't know much about this fascinating, relatively new area of linguistics, And then in episode 22, November 2019, he gave us the fascinating history of RP, received pronunciation, the Queen's English, if you like. And then again in September 2021, episode number 44, this was all about conversation studies. Again, a relatively recent linguistic subspecialty investigating how we really conduct conversation, what the rules are, what the what our habits of speech are when we're in conversation. So here's a little of David's explanation of how the Queen's English, BBC English, that sounds so familiar to us all from the BBC costume dramas like Downton Abbey came into existence. And then in 1603, of course, the, the entire court started to speak in a Scottish accent because of James coming down from Scotland. And so, you know, regional accents did not have any kind of negative impact on your ability to make a solid career for yourself. Mm-hmm. Contrast that with the 19th century. So when the RP starts to evolve, it wasn't called received pronunciation until much later, of course, until mm-hmm. the end of the 19th century. But when this new accent started to evolve, it quickly came to be taught in the public schools. Now, that's public in the British sense. I'm talking about schools like Winchester and Eton and Harrow and so on. And then, and these are the schools that taught the civil servants and the upper class military and the missionaries and so on. 
Now, the 19th century is also the century of the British Empire. And so these are the people who would go abroad and take RP with them uh, so that the accent that people would have heard in India, Singapore and so on would have been RP. Thank you, David, for contributing so mightily to this podcast. I was so glad that Kristen Linklater joined me for episode 16 in May of 2019. This giant of our profession died just a year later, so this is one of her last interviews, I believe. Here she is explaining why she feels most politicians sound inauthentic to her and are not to be believed. Politicians are trained to say what the policy wants them to say. I think it's very seldom that you hear a politician speak authentically from his or her own personal point of view. Mostly, to my ear, the public voices, the politicians' voices, are not to be believed. Do you derive that opinion from the words that they say in their speech or something that's less than authentic? Oh, in their voices, in their voices. The the voices are very often accommodating in some way. The voices sort of come out and are somewhat manipulated. I would like you to hear and understand that I am making an important point here. There's none of the prosody of real speech. They're usually manufactured voices in order to deliver what is expected as a result, a result of what they're going to say. Thank you, Kristen, for your service to our profession and to the world. I've always been fascinated by the boundary between speaking and singing, mostly because it always seems to me that music has a power to move us that is irresistible. We're powerless to resist it. And it doesn't depend on rationality and logic, while spoken words are always much easier to dispute with our logical brains. The great British husband and wife singing coach team of Jeremy Fisher and Julianne Kayes have twice been my guests. We talked about pitch in January 2022 in episode 48, and then about singing versus speaking in episode 18 from July 2019. Here's a clip from that conversation. So this is Sheila Chandra from her Speaking in Tongues 3. I think she is amazing. That is marvellous. It's stunning, isn't it? So what would, so you, this, what would you say about it? This is konakol, um, which is vocal percussion in Indian Carnatic singing. So this is specifically geared towards vocal percussion and it's rhythmic singing. I mean, it's incredibly rhythmic. That's the first thing. Yes. I think what's interesting about it is that although she's not sustaining pitch, because of the way she's shaping the vowels and some of the consonants, you can still hear pitch, can't you? Oh, yes, but not mm. melody particularly. No. So is is that, again, because of the rhythm that puts it closer to singing then? Is that what you're... 
she could have done that whole sequence on one note or on a monotone or on a, a very narrow pitch range. But what she's doing is she's covering about an octave and a half, mm. which is quite a big speaking range. And you hear that there are certain... Um, she does drop at the end of each phrase. But there so are there's, contours. There are contours. Hear, there yeah. are musical elements to it, yes. Thanks, Julianne and Jeremy. I hope you're doing well in your beautiful Welsh Valley. You know, I never expected this podcast dedicated to the spoken word to gain the huge following it has. I guess it proves that we human beings are endlessly fascinated by the way our fellow travellers talk, infinitely nosy about it. Nor did I expect such such a variety of topics to emerge. Speech and voice disorders with Joanna Kasdan. Polari, the secret language of gay men with Paul Baker. The Voices of Africa with Joyce Sukumane. The first sound recordings with Patrick Feaster. Glossolalia with Paul DeLacy. My conversation with Saturday Night Live star Lorraine Newman on voice characterization. Australian English with Linda Nichols Gidley. Shakespeare's shapely language with Jan Gist. These few and, and so many, many more. Thanks to all my guests over the last four years. And I'm so pleased that my son, Cameron Meyer, the movie critic and executive editor of the International Dialects of English Archive, has joined me several times. We had a great conversation about dialects in the movies. The best and the worst. You'll enjoy that one, I'm sure. I want to close with a minute or so from my conversation on heightened language and black playwrights with Jacqueline Springfield. So when we use the term heightened, we somewhere along the way started thinking that heightened meant people of high social standing. And that's not always the case. And even if they are, there still needs to be something that's authentic in the way in which the language is spoken that can really connect with the masses. Let's listen to the great James Earl Jones, a piece from August Wilson's Fences. Here we go. Nigga, as long as you live in my house, you put a sir on the end of it when you talk to me. Yes, sir. You eat every day. Yes, sir. Got a roof over your head. Yes, sir. And clothes on your back. Yes, sir. Why do you think that is? Because of you. Hell, I know it's because of me. Why do you think that is? Because you like me? Like you. Let's get this straight right now. We'll go along any further. I ain't got to like you. Mr. Rand, don't give me my money come payday because he liked me. He give me because he owe me. Now, I didn't give you everything I had to give you. I gave you your life. Your mama and me worked it out between us. And lacking your black ass was not a part of the bargain. And don't you try and go through life worried if somebody like you or not. You best make sure that they are doing right by you. You understand what I'm saying, boy? Yes, sir. Then you get the hell out of my face and go on down to the A&P. <laughs> the great James Earl Jones voice, huh? You can comfortably put heightened text in his mouth any day, right? Absolutely. He's such an amazing vessel. You always hear that saying of he could just read the phone book to you back when we used to use phone books <laughs> and that you would listen to it. And what you really hear him doing there is using August Wilson's language to such incredible effect, because not only does his voice 
James Earl Jones' voice have power, but the language that August Wilson uses has such power. Thank you, Jacqueline, and all my podcast guests from the first 50 episodes. And thanks to you for joining me, Paul Meyer. If you haven't listened to all 50 episodes of In a Manner of Speaking, I hope I've helped you pick the next one on your list. Keep the emails coming with comments on what you hear and suggestions for future topics. Don't forget to follow Paul My Dialect Services on Facebook and me on Twitter at Dialect Paul. My guests next month are Jan Hayden Rolls and Edda Sharp, two highly respected voice, speech and dialect trainers and coaches and the authors of How to Do Accents. Join us next time on In a Manner of Speaking.